All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those that are joining us online to the very first week of a brand new series called Comeback Stories. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, man. So God, to have you guys. You know, there's something about a comeback story. Whether it's in the sports world, there's something about on the inside of us, we just like seeing people overcome the odds stacked against them. I remember a number of years ago in a boxing match, and man, I, there's just something on the inside of me. I thought, this guy was getting beat the whole time, but he, but, he, but he came back, and I felt the whole room was swelling towards championing this particular person. There's something about a comeback story. And maybe you've come today. Maybe you've heard about this series. Man, Pastor, golly, I need a comeback in my life. Based upon all that's going on, maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's financially. You've been struggling the last three or four months. You didn't see things coming. And man, you've been impacted. Maybe it's related to all that's happening in the culture. And you feel like you've had some conversations that have knocked the wind out of you. The reality is we all at times need to come back. And there's something about that. Something about on the inside of us, as I was writing down the messages, we got began to think about even in our church 15 years ago when we went through Hurricane Katrina. I remember getting text messages just when text started, by the way, from people all over the country. Pastor, we're not coming back. Pastor, we're staying in North Carolina. Pastor, we're staying in Houston or Dallas. And I thought to myself, am I the only one? Are Jennifer and I the only people that are actually coming back? Thank God when God brings you back, God brings you back stronger than before. How many are grateful for the grace of God? I'm grateful, man. I'm so grateful. I feel it's important, particularly in light of All that people are going through right now, so much stuff. We've got to know and be convinced from the word that God is a God of another chance. That God is behind us, that God is for us. And maybe you've tuned in today and maybe one of our campuses or those of you online, you heard about this church doing a message series, by the way, all month long. Next week, we're going to talk about the prodigal son. I'm going to teach about Samson towards the end of the month. I don't remember in 20 years ever teaching a whole message on Samson, how God, how he got right to the end. He made some huge mistakes, and yet God's plan still came to pass in his life. I want to talk to you about the power of a comeback. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the Old Testament book of Jonah. The Old Testament book of Jonah I want to talk to you about how God used Jonah's life mightily in spite of his disobedience. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with the name Jonah, it's a very familiar figure in the Old Testament. I happen to know a lot about Jonah, not because I went to Bible college or seminary. It's because I watch VeggieTales with my kids. Come on, y'all know what I I mean, we got, how many parents would be honest enough to admit you got a biblical education with VeggieTales? I had one particular son, he loved Daniel in the lion's den. You know, he's always watching Daniel in the lion's den. Man, I saw that thing so many times. And of course, I loved this story, Jonah, and, and what Jonah was about and what Jonah stood for. Jonah was a very powerful figure, a guy who, who, who made a huge mistake. He disobeyed God. He walked far away from God's plan and purpose, and yet, and yet God gave him another chance. If you have your Bible, Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to give you the context of this story. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, we're going to jump right into the scripture each week. Here's what the Bible says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Everyone say, Arise. 
That's going to be very important. I'm going to comment on that word throughout the message. He said, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. That's what the Lord said. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. In verse 1 and 2, God calls Jonah with a very specific assignment. And by the way, I think God calls us with a specific assignment. God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and he gives us equipment. He he equips us with gifts and talents and abilities and, and interests and passions and different things God places on the inside of our lives. He equips us. God doesn't, he never gives us something to do without equipping us to do it. And God had an assignment for Jonah's life. And and in that assignment, it was to be a prophet, to preach to the the city of Nineveh. Here's the problem. The problem is is that that Jonah went in the opposite direction. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It's a modern day in Iraq, 250 miles above Baghdad today. If you went there, so I want you to think about this for a moment. Jonah is a Hebrew, and he's over here, and God calls him to go to Nineveh, 250 miles above Baghdad. Think about, and the truth is, is he didn't go in that direction. He actually went in the totally opposite direction. He went down to the port of New Orleans and got on a boat and ended up in the Caribbean. I want you to think about it. God called him up here to Nashville. He ended up down, somewhere down there in the Caribbean, the totally opposite direction. Have you ever done something like that before? You know God has spoken to you. You know God's put something in your heart. God has been very clear. And yet, and yet you end up in the total opposite direction. Now, why is that? Why, why did Jonah run from God? Well, there's a number of reasons. I'd like to suggest one. Jonah was, well, he was, he was a, a Hebrew. And the, the, the Ninevites were Israel's foremost and worst enemy. There was this long-standing feud between, be, between, between, watch this, between Jonah's people and those people. And here it is, God's asking him to go do something he doesn't want to do. Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't want to do? I remember when I graduated from college and in Bible college, I was living with my pastor at the time, and I, I remember he had this dream and this vision to, to preach to high school kids and to, and, to, and to speak to kids. And I remember he talked to me, and he says, he says Steve, I really feel like this is from God, that you, you should do this. And, 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 and I think you're gifted and called, and you're a little bit younger. I think you could connect with these kids. And I actually said this to him. I said, I'll be honest, I don't want to speak to those high school kids and junior high kids. Rah, 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 kick the devil in the knee. I'm not interested in that. I want to speak to college kids. He says, you're telling me this open door here, you don't want to take it? And because you, watch this, because you think that you're better than them? How many times does pride stop us from obeying God? How many times are our own, our own preconceived notions of what we think would be best and we can miss out on what God says is best. So, so, so I, I think all of us, I know myself, we've all got a little bit of Jonah on the inside of us. Here it is. God called Jonah to go up and across all the way to where uh, uh, 250 miles above modern day Baghdad. And he instead goes all the way down, takes a boat and goes south. He ends up way away from what God asked him to do. The problem is 
is that he, he had something in his heart. He had some offenses in his heart. He had some preconceived notions in his heart. The truth is, he had some prejudice in his heart against, against them. I don't like them. I don't want them to be part of the family, God, because I know what's going to happen, and they're all going to repent, and they're going to be kind of part of the family, part of the club. I don't want them to do that, God. I'm not going to do it. Well, Jonah ran. Jonah was a man on the run. He went in the opposite direction of what God was telling him to do. And what I find is, is that when, when we run from God, when we run from God and from God's plan in our life, we often end up in very strange places. You ever notice that? When you run from God, how many people that you know, maybe they, they y'all started out, you got born again together, maybe it was in a college Bible study, or you, you began your walk of faith, and they made some choices, and they're, and they're now, who knows where they are in the relationship with God. And the fact is, is, is we end up in strange places. I had a conversation with a guy, actually, last year, and, and, and he had known me in the past, and, and, and I'd come into faith in Christ, and he knew that, and, and there was somewhat of a walk with God. I don't know where he was with God, but here's what he told me. He said, Steve, you would not even believe where I've ended up. I think one step away from God, then we take another step away and another step away, and then we begin to compromise. And then, and by the way, there's always somebody there to meet you to kind of help you along that path. Have you ever found that before? It's amazing when we disobey God that we often end up in the strangest places. Well, where did Jonah end up? I'll tell you where he ended up. Jonah ended up in the belly of a fish. He had a fish Time out. Come on, are y'all with me, parents? That's, that's what he did. He's swallowed by a fish, and he learned some very important lessons, as you can imagine. Here it was. God spoke to him. God gave him a clear assignment for his life. The clear voice of the Lord. He disobeyed, and he ended up in a fish. Now, it's interesting with Jonah because Jonah, what he did was, is what we often do. By the way, I don't advocate it. I don't suggest that we have to get our lives beat up and bruised up and all messed up. And then we finally, right at the end, that we finally cry out to God. But Jonah did wise up because he prayed. I mean, you know, prayer is the smartest thing to do when you're at the end of your rope. Isn't that right? And Jonah prayed and he lifted his voice to God. And he said, oh God, basically he acknowledges, I've been on the run. And maybe you are here today or maybe you've tuned in today. And you heard about a church doing a series talking about a comeback story. And you're in need of a comeback. And you've gone farther than you ever thought you would have gone. You, you've, you've stayed longer out there in the wilderness than you ever said. And, and the fact is, often the very first step, the first step is when we acknowledge where we are and our need for God. Jonah lifted his voice. God, I made a mistake. God, I, I've, I missed it. Oh, God, have mercy. Everybody say mercy. No matter how far we've run, as long as we turn back to God, God's plan doesn't change for our life. You, by the way, you're going to see that in the book of Samson. Samson, listen, he blew it big time, but all the way, listen, all the way to the end of his life, God still used him to fulfill a purpose. I'm so grateful for God. Grateful for God's picture for our lives. I'm grateful for God's plan. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Here it is. Does this sound familiar? Finally, the fish spits him up on the land, and Jonah kind of shakes himself off and goes, oh, don't want to do that again. Jeez, all right, I need to obey God. 
And we pick up in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. By the way, I'm grateful that we get more than two chances. I'm grateful. How many of y'all are grateful that God doesn't kill us after two chances? You got two chances, it's over. Anybody that's married, how many are grateful for more than two chances? Come on. Praise God, I'm grateful for more than that. And so here it is, the Lord says, now the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise. Everyone say arise. Come on, listen. God's giving you another chance. You missed it the first time, but he's giving you, it's the same assignment. He says, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Circle those words a second time. It's interesting. The word of the Lord came again. The word of the Lord came again. Jonah, you didn't deserve mercy, but I gave you mercy in that fish. Jonah, you didn't deserve another chance, but I gave you another chance. Now, Jonah, I'm giving, just like I gave you another chance, I'm, listen, I'm sending you on an assignment to give them another chance. Oh, wow. How, how often God, God requires us to give what we just, come on, say it, received. Oftentimes, people that have a hard time giving is because they forget that they have just received. Jonah, you've received mercy. Oh, listen, listen. You've received in the same way that you received mercy. Now, I want you to go give that mercy. Go give that mercy. I know it. I know it cross. It, it, it cross grains your thought process and your paradigm of growing up and thinking that you guys were the only group in. But, but, but Jonah, I'm calling you to, a, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you to, go, to go show mercy. You know how that works. Jesus said that in the gospel. He said that. The Mount of Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the what? Come on, say it. The Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain what? Say it. Mercy. You want mercy? Give mercy. You want grace? Give grace. You, 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 by the way, you want corn? Plant corn. You want love? Plant love. You want friendship? Plant it. You, you want mercy? Listen, plant it. Give it away. The more that we give, the more that we receive from God. By the way, I want to suggest this. My thesis for the message is this. You cannot long-term have an offense this way and for it not to pack this way. You cannot harbor in your heart an offense, a prejudice, a judgment against somebody else that doesn't look like you. They're not from the background. You can't hold a grudge this way and not affect this way. I think Jesus said something about that. You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And you shall love your, say it with me, neighbor as your what? Say it. So the cross has two beams. It doesn't just have this way, but it's got this way. And what happens is we think that we can have this secret offense towards people, and I don't like them, and we don't think it impacts our relationship with God, but it does. God's given Jonah another chance, just like he's given us another chance. All right, Jonah, here it is. He's come with another opportunity. I believe that Jonah, by the way, is a picture It's a picture of all of us in a sense of human nature, how we often judge people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. I'll say that again. I believe that Jonah, in a sense, we've all got a little bit of Jonah in us. By the way, every week we're going to see we've all got a little bit of these different biblical characters. Jonah's got, he's judging them by their actions, but he's judging himself by his intentions. And yet he doesn't see that he is standing in need of the grace of God. Wow. Jonah not only gave up on people, them, 
But when he gave up on people, it wasn't so long after that he gave up on God. I want to say this to you again. It's a very heavy point. You cannot long-term have an offense here, and it doesn't affect you here. The cross doesn't just have one beam. It's actually got two. Your relationship with people impacts your relationship with God. Your relationship with God impacts your relationship with, everybody say it, people. The fact of the matter is that Jonah had a wrong concept about God. He wanted to create God in his own image of how, how he thought that God should act. And, and by the way, Jonah kept an account. He had a list. He had a list. And don't we all keep lists? Well, yeah, I remember you did that. You did that. And that group did that. And they did this. And because of that. And therefore, we've allocated them to there. We don't want them to be part because we have a list. What are the benefits of having children? I've got three older ones and a younger 10-year-old. Is uh, I've kind of stayed up. Well, I've I've stayed aware of different children's things, and and uh, for about uh, thirty years. Anyway, so uh, I've got a 23, 20, 19, 21, 19, and I got a ten-year-old. How many of y'all remember the etchy sketch? Come on, can I have a witness in the house of God? Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember the etchy sketch? Well, wasn't this just one of the? Fun- do you remember this? You go. You just go crazy all over the place and then you make some stupid thing and you're like oh they, that was the wrong turn and then all you do is just do it you just go <sighs> can y'all see this can y'all can y'all can y'all see this listen there's no there's no lot okay everybody say clean slate come on say it again say it clean slate we've got lists god keeps a clean slate with us Oh, yeah. You know what they did? You know what happened? Okay, you know what? You know what? Oh, the Ninevites? No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Jonah, you got an opportunity. Do you want to keep a list or do you want to have an etchy sketch? Oh, man. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. Here's what the Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive. Everyone say, forgive. And everybody say, cleanse. Oh, man. If we confess our sin to God, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Jonah has an opportunity. What's he going to do? What are we going to do? I think God's asking us. God is asking every single one of us. What are we going to do? Are we going to keep our hearts small towards others? Here's what I found. The longer you keep your heart small towards others, listen, it's hard to have it big towards God. But when our heart enlarges towards others, it enlarges towards God. I remember when I became a Christian, I would hear from my pastor about people that were sold out to God. They, they, you know, and often I heard about this term of going into the ministry. And, and, and I do believe and I recognize that, that we have, there are some people that vocationally go into ministry. I'm a pastor. I work for the church. And so there are people that do that. But I want to be very clear. Every single one of you are in the ministry. And what I mean by that is you have a ministry. Jesus, listen, Jesus calls all of us to be salt and light. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle in the book of Corinthians says specifically, you have a ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry, everybody say it, the ministry of what? Say it reconciliation. God has called you and I to be a reconciler. By the way, I have zero hope in the world 
I have lots of hope in God and God's people. Lots of hope. I'm looking up. Are y'all with me? I'm looking to the one that's the ultimate reconciler. And let me tell you, we have an opportunity as the church of Jesus Christ to model what the world needs. We can have reconciled homes. Let me just tell you something. One thing I've learned about in marriage, and I'm, and I'm not as good as I want to be. I'm not where I want used to be. But let me tell you something. something. Listen, even when your heads can't get on the same page, your hearts can through prayer. Listen to me very closely. You've heard the, you've heard the, 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 the statement. Uh, families that what? End up doing what? Come on, say it. Because you know you can't think those thoughts if you're praying with your spouse. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Churches, we've been given, we can model for a broken, fractured world what it really means to have a united home. How does the enemy win? Divide and conquer. How does God win? Boom, unite and overcome. I want to be part of the team that's uniting and overcoming. Come on, are y'all with me or not? You've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Listen, you cannot stay when ought with your brother and sister and stay in right relationship with God. Oh, man. Jonah, you're getting a chance here. You're getting a chance here. What are you going to do, Jonah? Oh, all right, all right. I'm going to go to those people. I'm going to do it. Number one, three keys to becoming a people of another chance. I'm just going to ask boldly every one of our campuses, how many of you guys want to be a people of another chance? Come on, would you raise your hand? I want to be a person of another chance. All right, I watch this. If I get another chance, listen, if you want another chance, you better be a person of another chance. You can't expect to have something that you won't become. Three keys to becoming a person of another chance. Number one, obey God even when you're confused or conflicted. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That's another chance, saying, Arise. Everyone say, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. I want everybody to hear me. Make it, we've got to learn to make a decision today to live a life of trusting obedience to Christ. It requires courage. It means that we're going to have to obey him even when we can't figure it all out at first. Now, we want to figure it all out. We want to Google it. We want to go online. God speaks to us. We want to ask 15,000 people, listen to me. I want to balance this out. I believe in biblical godly counsel. I believe Proverbs 18.1, there's counsel. In the book of Proverbs, talks about there's, there's wisdom in the multitude. But, but at the end of the day, at some point, you're going to have to obey God. Your friend is not held accountable to whether you not you obey God. <laughs> you are. If God's speaking to you to write the letter, to apologize, to go say you're sorry, to do whatever, at some point in time, you and I, we are the ones accountable to God. I had a friend, man, this is so funny. I have, I have a friend who's in our church, and, and uh, 15 years ago when he came to church, he was so funny, and he's still a friend today. Where he's just the funniest guy, and he would call me, get all mad at his wife, and he'd just get all puffy, and he goes, Pastor, let me tell you what she did, and I said, well, that's real, all right, let me tell you what you need to do. What you need to do is you, go need, to, you need to go say you're sorry, boom, he'd hang up on me. And he said, I'm going to go call another pastor. He called every single pastor on staff till he got somebody to remotely agree with him. How I many you know you can't hang up on God? Are y'all with me? You can't just keep hanging up on it. I'm, I'm not God. But I mean, we can't hang up on God's word when God tells us to go forgive. I mean, it doesn't matter the, who the messenger is. It's the message. 
The fact of the matter is that at some point, what is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to start? What is God telling you to say? Who is God telling you to speak to? Is God telling you to enlarge the circle of your love? Have you been living small in your soul? Oh, wow. It's interesting when I look at this, there are those of us, if we're honest, the Spirit of God is telling us today there's something He wants us to do. To reach out to that person. To share Christ with them. To apologize to that person. To give something away. To do something. To repent of something. To love someone who doesn't look like us. Act like us. We forget, don't we? We all forget. We forget what it was like right prior to being a Christian. We forget where our lives were like. and We, we forget. I had a conversation with this person once. I said, well, Pastor, you know what? All those people in the world and they're bad and they're evil. And I said, well, it's a time out, time out, time out. There's only one difference between them and you. And it's not you. It's called Jesus. You are that and I am that without Christ. It's not our goodness. It's Christ and what he did for us. So be careful judging that because you are that without him, not without you. There's a big difference. Well, I know that brought some conviction on people because we like to think, well, that's a good person. No, that person needs Christ. That's who that person is. Just like all of us need Christ. There's something interesting that happens as Jonah begins to step out in obedience. Look at verse 4. Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. I'm just teaching you verse by verse. Look what happens. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Notice the word began there. There was a process in the initial steps of obedience. The Hebrew word here contains the idea of untying as he moves forward. You ever been to a circus and seen a trapeze person? You, 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 you know how the trapeze, they've got to let go of one in order to, what? Grab on to the other one. How I many you know there's things that we've got to be untied from in order for us to obey? Maybe it's some toxic relationships. Maybe we think those old friends of ours, we think, oh man, we just kind of go hang out a little bit. Yeah, but are they edifying and building you up and multiplying and adding to your life? Maybe it's some habit, maybe whatever it is, but here's what I know. Whatever God calls me into something new, I've got to evaluate what is tying me down that's causing me to not obey him fully. There were some mindsets that Jonah had to let go of. There were some, some paradigms that needed to be adjusted. They were holding him back. Number one, if we're going to obey God, we've got to do it even when we're confused or conflicted. Number two, when we obey God, we've got to expect good results. We've got to leave the consequence of results up to God. Our job is to obey. His job is to produce the results. Our job is to obey. It's God's job to produce the results. Why Nineveh? Well, it was a big city, 120,000 people there, ancient population, big city, surrounded by a seven and a half mile wide this huge wall, just seven and a half miles long. It was a fortress. God was saying, go now, go immediately to this dark city and preach to it. And you watch what I'm going to do. Listen to me very closely. Our obedience is our job. Results is God's job. Well, pastor, what if I go apologize to that person and nothing happens? Obedience is our job. Results is our, our God's job. It's, it's God's responsibility. We, we, we need to put the emphasis on, well, here's what happens. He goes over there. You guys ready for this? He goes over there and starts preaching. And guess what? The place, there's like a revival that takes place. Or an awakening, I should say it that way. Look at verse 5. So he goes. He goes into that city. He starts preaching what God tells him to preach. He starts, he starts out. And all of a sudden, they start, they, they fall on the ground. These are Ninevites. Remember, he's a Jewish guy. He's like, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they just, boom, they start falling. The Bible says, in sackcloth and ashes, they start repenting. He's like, what? He's like freaked out. The Bible says in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Wow. When we obey, the good things is, is the obedience is our part. The results is God's part. But I'm going to tell you something. Results happen. Why do we get freaked out when God actually does the things he's told us to do and we see the results? You know, it's amazing to me. I've been a pastor 20 years here, and it's amazing how I've seen people pray for people. We've prayed for people. We've, we've written down names. We've written down names in, in, in the sanctuary. We're believing for this family. We're believing for this family. And when somebody actually gets touched by the Lord, I, I had somebody that was praying for years for their spouse to get saved. Ten years for their spouse. Their, their spouse finally got saved, and they almost kind of had an attitude about it. Because their whole identity was, pray for my spouse. He's wicked. And then when he got changed, she lost her identity. Are y'all with me? How many of you know we should rejoice? Everyone say rejoice. Or the second thing that we do as Christians is we start evaluating, are they really saved? By the way, you know how, do you know how hard it is to have a public platform like a, like a movie star, a political leader, a, a sports leader? That, you know, got 10 million followers and all this stuff. And they, I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, there was a, there was a and you guys would know his name. He was a, a, a rock star that had gotten saved and everybody was evaluating, is he really saved? Could you imagine if we were evaluated like that? I remember a number of years ago when Justin Bieber, and uh, you know, and he's, he, he gave us, and I heard Christian, is he really saved? Well, I happen to kind of casually know a couple of the pastors that are discipling. You ought to look at the guys talking about the blood of Christ. But, but isn't it interesting how we judge? Well, I don't know if he's really saved. I mean, after all, I mean, you know, after all, I mean, he's got all kinds of just, you know, well, 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 just why not just trust God? Well, how would you like, how would you like to be a new Christian and have 140 million people on all your social media evaluating your life? Kanye West, a couple years ago, gave his heart to Christ, starts preaching all over the place. I was with a group of Christians, and a couple pastors said, I don't know if he's really saved. How, why do you say that? I saw him on an interview, and he was cursing. I thought, okay, time out. We're going to videotape you and follow you for one week around your house, and we're going to make sure that Jesus and 66 books of the Bible comes out of your mouth when you stub your toe against something. Are you all with me? Give somebody a break. When I got saved, I didn't have 500 million followers. You know what I had? I had me and Brother Doug. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go party in the French Quarter, and he makes me go to Shoney's to eat shrimp. I think God would have said it was probably better to do that than that. No, it wasn't. I'm just joking. My point is, give people a break. Who are we to judge the genuineness of their conversion? God is their judge, not us. And yes, it's faith in Christ and the blood of Jesus and the cross. I'm not watering it down. I'm simply saying we need to trust God for God being their Lord and not us. It's our job to preach the gospel. Woo, I'm excited. I hope y'all can handle all this. (sighs) Kind of feel good. (laughs) Cathartic. Okay. I got to make a confession as a pastor. You guys ready? I'm just going to say this. I'm a pastor. I've been to college. I've been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. I've been all that. Okay, I've got to say this. There's parts of the Bible I just don't like it. I wish chapter 4 wasn't in there. 
Why can't we just end with chapter 3? They repent. Jonah's high-fiving God. It's amazing. Sackcloth and ashes. They've repented. They've gone to step one, finally, at Church of the King. Okay, I added that. That's not in the Bible. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But God puts verses and chapters in the Bible that it's his prerogative to do that. It's not mine. He did it. But I think there's a lesson for us in chapter 4. Look at number 3. Start with the heart every day. Look at chapter 4. I wish it wasn't here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Angry for what? They repented. What's your problem? Sometimes we forget. We forget what this whole thing's about. We forget that we're conduits of God's mercy. We forget that God is a God of mercy. Oh, yeah, there's coming a judgment one day. This is the day of the light to share the love of God. We forget what we were like prior to Christ. By the way, somebody asked me, why do you share your testimony all the time? Two reasons why I share my testimony all the time. Two reasons. Number one, there's new people in the church, and they need to know that Pastor Steve is in process just like them. I, I'm professionally a pastor, but I'm a Christian that's growing in Christ. And I'm not always, listen, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. Two reasons why I share my testimony. Number one, for new people. Number two, for me. I don't want to ever forget what it was like to be lost. Because the moment you forget what it's like to be lost, you forget about compassion towards the lost. Jonah has a bad attitude. He goes back. He goes back into a bad attitude. Because the people that didn't look like him, they didn't grow up like him, they're now part of the family. How dare those people? I remember when we were building this building, I had somebody that, um, they were very generous, gave a lot of money to help build this building and at the Little Creek campus. and They prayed and they were a big prayer warrior at the church. They just pastor. I, re- I remember them. I remember vividly. We're praying, believing God and God's going to do great things, Pastor, and I'm writing down names, and God's going to use this church. We're, we're, we're one among, there's lots of great churches in the area, but, but we're part of God's team. And when this building opens up, we're going to see all these people saved. And I remember getting a letter, it was actually an email, two months after, maybe it was about three months after the church opened up, this building at the Little Creek campus. And I remember them saying to me, said, Pastor Steve, it was an email, Pastor Steve, my husband and I just feel like the church has gotten too big and there's so many new people. We just feel like God's calling us and leading us on. And I thought about this for a moment. I thought, time out. You gave money for a new building to reach more people. You prayed for lost people to get saved. And now you can't rejoice that God's actually doing and answering your prayers? Are y'all with me? I wanted to email back because I was 46. At the, or 40, I'm 51, so I was 45 at the time. I wanted to say... I cannot believe you're actually thinking so small-minded. You hypocrite. That's what I wanted. I didn't say. I wanted to say. I thought I should have just said it. Jesus said you should have just said it. Isn't that what this is all about? Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. You can, and I'm going to use this word very carefully. You can relapse back into a prejudice attitude quickly. You can go back into a negative, bad attitude of your view of people 
very quickly. Listen to me, listen to me. That's why every day we need the Holy Spirit to cleanse our hearts. Are you with me? Every day. We've got to enlarge the circle of our love. Psalms 139. Watch this. Psalms 139. And I'll close. Search me. Everyone say, search me. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Oh God, is there anything sticking? Is there anything sticking in my heart? God, get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Lord, get it out. Get it out. Yeah. I don't want to be like Jonah with a bad attitude once again. He, listen, God called. He disobeyed. God had mercy. He obeyed. God used his life. And he disobeyed again. You don't have to go back there. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all of our campuses right now. If you're in this place today, at any one of our campuses or those online, at any one of our programs, our platforms, I want to talk to you right now. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure that you're ready to stand before God, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you, church of the king can't save you. Jesus saves. I can point to the one who saves. 31 years ago, I gave my heart to Christ when I was 19 years old, a freshman in college. Jesus is the one that saves. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our venues and all of our campuses, if you need Christ, the Bible says whoever calls upon that name, do you know him? Have you ever asked him to forgive you of your sin? Are you at peace with God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with you, with God. Would you just raise your hand up, Pastor? Pray for me. One, two, three. Quickly. You're not sure where you are with God. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, I'm not sure about God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, I need Christ. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today. I'm ready to stand before God. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Church, I want to pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Come on, at all of our campuses, let's pray this together corporately. Can we pray this? Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 30 seconds at all of our campuses. If you trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to fill out a decision card. What do you do with this? On the way out, matter of fact, at all the exits, there's some buckets where people put in their guest cards. I think, Pastor Doug, they put in their guest cards, also their tithes and offerings, and they can put that in there. Put this commitment card to Christ in there. We want to send you a letter thanking you for coming to church. All right, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How many of y'all received something from that message today? I hope it helped you. Hey, why don't you say this this when they say, Jesus, come on, say, Jesus, I want to be a person of another chance. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the grace of God upon your people. Lord, you're teaching us how to enlarge the circle of our love, how to reach out and love people that don't look like us, they don't sound like us, but help us as a people to be that, individually, corporately as a church. Lord, I pray the blessing of God. I speak favor over your life. May the grace and the favor of God be upon you as you go forth this day. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Wow, what a great service. I hope you were challenged and encouraged to walk out your faith with Jesus this week. And one of the best ways to continue to grow in your relationship with Christ, we talk about it a lot, is by joining Next Steps, which is just a series of classes designed for you. Because we want to help you grow in your relationship with God and really discover and walk out the purpose that He has called you to by getting connected with others. So just go ahead and text the word CONNECT to 822-822 or go to churchofthekingcom slash next steps for more information and register. I hope that we can see you there. We do. And thank you again for your continued generosity here at Church of the King. You can give online through the Church of the King app by text or by mail. Well, I hope you enjoyed service. I know we loved being with you guys today. We can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week.